Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about making outlines, setting goals, and finally, finally, writing a game. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we're going to be talking about deciding the form factor of your game and starting to write. This last week, I had the fun experience of getting to go to San Diego for work. Cool. Which was, uh, in theory, a reward for being a great employee, uh, but in practice was a trap where they made me work. (laughs) Uh, They don't tell you that when they hand you the big ticket on stage. James, you have co-workers that listen to this. That's fine. (laughs) Don't get fired. They all know. Okay, okay. Um (laughs) Uh, but so, so a couple cool things happened, uh, as we were talking about before the show started, I sort of very briefly got to meet Snoop Dogg, which was mind blowing and weird, uh, at 9am in San Diego for him to come and perform at this tech conference. Yeah. Known PBTA enthusiast, uh, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also I got to meet, um, Richard Kurtz Landry as well as Rich Howard. Um, the oh, two of them awesome. live in San Diego or in yeah. the San Diego area. And on, and like, I didn't know what my schedule was going to be like. And so I kind of just sort of like threw up on Twitter that I was going to be in the area the day of, and they were like, Oh God, <laughs> um, we were actually both free. And so they came out and got to, and I got to meet them and have dinner with them. And it was oh, wonderful. And I got to hear a bunch of cool stories about stuff that they've been working on. And, uh, it was, it was a pretty great experience. I imagine you talked some descent into midnight. Both of them involved in that project very deeply. Because it's the two of them and Taylor really uh, rocking that every single day. Yeah, some good stories about that and uh, where that game is going. Also, they have some, just like Rich, uh, because of Young Justice, has some absolutely wild Comic-Con stories. Oh! Which if you were ever in the same, like, the same location as Rich, get him to tell you some of those stories because they are just, like, (laughs) (laughs) mind-blowing. Like, just, he got... Got into a whole bunch of like secret backstage events at Comic Con because he happened to be next to a uh, person who was a voice actor for the Young Justice show, and like they just were like, "Hey, come on in with us!" And like, James, you you're not supposed on- to tell people about secrets. Well, sorry. Well, um, but it's a good story, and Rich is a great storyteller. So uh, I would say I can hi- rate that that whole uh, event highly. Um, but so. Let's just get right into this, because yeah. uh, I think that this could be a topic that will be useful for a lot of people, which is that, uh, so I have hit a point roughly in my design process for A Space Between, where I'm ready to start writing some of the, uh, calling them peripheral is really the wrong word, but like, okay. so like, up until now, the game has existed as a bunch of cards, which yeah. are game prompts, story prompts, and a loose collection of rules in my brain. <laughs> um, because that's like the core, that's like that V that's like that M the uh, minimum viable product, the MVP yeah, of what absolutely. you need. To, what I needed to take to a convention was the actual prompts to tell people because they had to be cards because I had to have the hand them to people and let them play. So I had to have those. Those are like my, I don't really have a dice mechanic. They're your play materials, but they're you my play, play materials. materials to play. The um, game. And and then I had in my brain a rough explanation of what the rules were, so I could sit down and explain to you this is how you roughly play this game, and yeah. then do it enough at least <laughs> at least well enough that we could play test, and that, then people could ask me questions about what how the rules worked that I didn't write yet, and then I could choose on the fly. Yeah, yeah. But there is all this other stuff that fits into like what will need to be packaged in the final game, um, things like character creation. Uh, sort of the um uh world building yeah the the setting like i do a little bit of when i pitch the game when i go through the rules i explain the story that the game presents to you i explain some of the setting some of Mm -hmm. the i'm available during gameplay so when the players say hey how does how does the faster than light travel work in this game i can explain to them in the middle of the game as they go or they say like hey can we call back to earth like do we have long range uh do we have like do we have those long distance communications systems? Yeah. How does that work? Um, and and I need to be able to put all of that into game text, um, as well as ultimately safety mechanics and all of the sorts of other 
important but peripheral to that MVP game product. Yeah. Uh, things that will need to go into the book. And so I sat down and I started to list some things uh, as I was on this five-hour flight to, uh, to San Diego. And what came out of my head was nothing. <laughs> um, I got almost nothing written because my brain just went, well, so much. Um, mm, yeah. And I know that you have been going through some stuff recently where you have been probably coming around to the final bend of, of writing Passion de los Passiones. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like the, the number of weeks to go is certainly way shorter than the number of weeks spent. Yeah. Um, but at least you have gotten past that initial stage of like, here's the rough yeah. outline of what my book should look like. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I want to talk about that a little bit. Cool. Maybe you could give me some words of wisdom and, or we could t- whatever, talk through that. Yeah. I will impart upon you incredible words of wisdom. James. Yeah, please, That's how our podcast do. works. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's, let's start kind of from the top. Um, I think the first thing you want to do before you do any of like the writing of your game in terms of mm-hmm. getting the written stuff down is decide if what the format is for that writing. Yeah. So like this might sound really silly and there's a lot of things you can kind of default into, but like, is this a 150 page RPG? Is this a 300 page RPG? Is this a 40 page RPG? Is this a micro RPG? And essentially like by choosing the level that you're writing at in terms of the length of it, you're going to be deciding a lot of other things about the form of the RPG. Um, like, one of the th- big things that you have to think about when writing an RPG is how much do you want to get paid for it? Uh. And, like, am I doing a Kickstarter? Am I releasing this as just a PDF? And I think that's all stuff you should think about before you start writing. Yeah. Um, this is controversial, and I have pushed against it. But, like, the games that make the most money are the ones that have a full Kickstarter. And that, like, have, like, a full... That are, like, a big book, right? Yeah. As opposed to, like, a 10-page book. Uh, that doesn't mean that the 10-page books don't have value or that they don't have really, really great game design in them. But the ones that are more likely to, like, send a big check to your home at some point are the ones that have, like, a bigger a bigger production schedule. That said, oh, yeah. you might not want to do that. It might be this isn't a game that you want to put that much time into. It might be that this is a game that you don't think will sell. It might be a game that, like, just you're not interested in spending that much time. You know? Yeah. There's like, tons, so and my, tons of reasons. My, like, A Space Between is a great example, actually, of a game that is like that, where, like, it's not going to be a player's handbook, like, D&D 5th edition length book. Oh, it's yeah. Just, there's no world in which I have enough content inside me. Like, I would literally, <laughs> like, the whole... Not, not to say that the game doesn't have depth to it, but because I think it no, does. No, but what would you But what the depth put? comes in the form of cards. Yeah, I would literally have to yeah. start writing, like, short stories to make up that yeah. many pages. Which, like, um, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. But that if, yeah. if that isn't what you want to do, then don't do that. No, no. And... Um, the one so and and this is I think that connecting to that um, one of the the hurdles that I have come across is and this may just be a darling that I have to kill because uh, that is a thing that happens um, but I would love to hit you a just, point you where you stumbled right into the current Twitter discourse so be careful <laughs> there's been some discursions about what is what you do with kill your darlings <laughs> oh kill all of your darlings no no repurpose your kill darlings make your, your darlings, darlings work make your darlings no, work no kill all your darlings okay we're gonna have some discourse right now <laughs> <laughs> um i'm i'm an old school kill your darlings person so i'm a new um, school live your dreams person nope but okay so here's the thing um uh hashtag for basic moves <laughs> kill all your darlings <laughs> Um, four basic I'll, moves is your darling james <laughs> you, I know, you don't but, understand but those but those other moves that you want those are your darlings no they're not yep. i'm fine with okay. them <laughs> let's get back onto this topic <laughs> just okay um, with them one of the things that is potentially a darling that i have for this game uh is i want as much of the so like there is an in-universe story of um players who are going out to haul ice back yeah. to the earth and um, a lot of the game framework is sort of like the corporation that is hiring you to go out and haul ice is is giving you these this framework of the lighthouse who they've said, hey, pick a person who is uh, 
someone on Earth who is bringing you back, who's going to help reincorporate you back into the world. And one of the whole mechanics of like, where do you have these scenes is like, if you can't pick a better scene place, the, the, the corporation provides you with like a sterile room that you can at least have them in. So if like halfway through the game, you just like f- hate your the person that you're like your significant other like if if things really degrade quickly and you don't want to like have scenes in your house like you can have scenes in the sterile room where like you can whatever um and so there's this a lot of the game framework a lot of like the actual mechanics of the game are frameworks that exist in the world and yeah. so I one of the hurdles that I want to sort of get over is that I would love for as much of the game book in, as possible to be in universe. Okay. So that is like a that is a problem that is that exists like and I think that that is like the you're making faces what what's Cuz it's not a problem that's a hook. That's no, a okay. cool thing about your game. You're don't right. don't and kill I, your dog. And I'm not going to kill my darling, but so God, like James. here's where this is, so this is what I what I mean by it's a problem is like um, when I, I think that it is, it is part of the, like, break down your tasks for writing a game book into smaller chunks. Yes. Thing that I'm going to have to do is that, like, I may have to actually write a version of this game book that is not in universe and then go back and do a second draft that is mm. in universe. Because okay. when I sat down and was like, okay, I'm going to write character creation. What should that look like? And tried to think about what it should be in universe. Yeah, it was too much, and so I need to like sit down and think about what do I need character creation to be for the game, and then maybe go back and do a second pass. Yeah, I mean, there's also the possibility that that you repurpose your darlings, and you say the game text doesn't need to be in character, but every material is. Mm-hmm. So, like, your character sheet is in character. You're filling out your forms, right? But the explanation of how to fill out your character sheet is understanding that this is a game, right? So that's a way that you could potentially meld the fact that that's a difficult writing task and potentially a difficult reading task. That's another thing to consider is that sometimes books that are heavy on fiction during the rules explanation become a little bit harder to just like parse and then bring to your table. Uh, That said, there's plenty of LARPs that have like really great things that you can look at that are explaining like, you know, here's what we're going to do. There's lots of procedural LARPs. So one of the things that that is why I think this is not a darling uh, that I will have to kill. And that is actually like a good idea, which is that a comp. So like a lot of when I did sit down, so I kind of got through a little bit of character creation and character creation is a good example of the way that I think that this will work and be functional as well as being in universe okay the the kind of things that the so i'm imagining a page that is a form that um the corporation is asking you to fill out yeah that's gold i love and that that form is going to have questions like basic level like what is your name what is your like what are your pronouns um and stuff like that but then because they're trying to capture this like sort of psych eval yeah. They're asking you a bunch of questions like, when did you meet? Well, yeah. uh, how long have you been together? Um, like, what is something that you really care about your lighthouse? Like, all of those questions that I, as the G- as like a game designer, want you to answer about the relationship that you are building with this other person and to do some world building. Yeah. Those are all, like, they all fit into the category of world, of, like, psych- like psyche val questions that would appear on a a corporate form of from a corporation that in theory, I think cares about these people a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I've, I've been doing some job applications and some of those job applications have like, Hey, fill out this, just answer some questions for us. Yeah. We'll yeah, use yeah. them for who knows. What is uh, your biggest strength? Oh yeah. Biggest strength is my punching. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I've been telling everybody. Uh, also, uh, metal manipulation. Uh, but yeah, so that is, so that's, we've gotten a little off topic. We've gone yeah, into yeah. A, a bit of a, a deep end on this, but that sounds like something that could be a, a potential challenge to writing this game. And I think mm. you're right that that style of writing definitely precludes you from writing a 300 page game, right? Um, but that doesn't prevent you from writing like even a hundred page game, a 50 page game, anything like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like thinking about what you want to do in the production schedule, thinking about what you want to do with how this thing comes out, helps you to structure how you want to make the game. 
like there are all sorts of different ways you can do it. You can, there's tons of games that come as like, as sets now, right? Like this is a game with dice. I mean, not with dice. This is a game without cards. dice, with cards. Yeah. Um, and so like, like Zombie World, um, or like uh, Companion's Tale, or even something like, uh, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have any words? Alex Roberts' excellent kissing game. Um, Tension. Tension, yeah. Uh, no, it's not called Tension anymore. Not it was tension. called Tension. Um, now it's Starcrossed. Like Starcrossed. Like that comes with a Jenga tower, right? And so if that is part of the form factor of it, that's something else to consider. Because packaging like a deck of cards and a 300-page book is potentially yeah. more difficult than packaging a deck of cards and an 80-page book. Yeah. But because it has the deck of cards, you can still potentially sell it for that higher price, especially if you're going through like a setup that is uh, that has like the entire production schedule built into it. Right. Yeah. This is going to be very helpful or potentially helpful for you um, and completely useless for all of our listeners. But like this is the size like this is the form factor of a book that I, I think that I want it to be like a six okay. by four like, or maybe even like a five by three. uh I have a little just like uh, agenda book. Yeah. That is the size of book that I can imagine. Like it should look like something you could put in your back pocket because it's supposed to be sort of like the book game book is going to in the universe be like the um, it's going to be the the book that you would like, like a uh, an employee handbook, basically. Yeah. And like that totally makes sense. So and because what, what you're thinking about also with the form factor of the book is not just the amount of pages you need to write. Mm-hmm. But also considering, like, how you want this game to be played. Um, I think a really good example to kind of separate out two ideas is Bluebeard's Bride and Dungeon World. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people people play both of these games. They're both fantastic games. They're well-written games. They're a lot of fun. Um, they're two of my favorites, although I have never played Bluebeard's Bride and I'm terrified <laughs> to. Um, but they're extremely different products. Like, mm-hmm. you don't bring Bluebeard's Bride just anywhere to drop in and play with any group of people. If you're going to play Bluebeard's Bride, you know ahead of time. Yeah. And so it can be this enormous, gorgeous, beautiful hardback book that you stare at and look at and and covet. And it can be that presence, right? But Dungeon World needs to be something that is relatively small. Um, it's not a super thick book. Um, although it might be thicker than I'm remembering. There's a possibility. Uh, but it needs to be something you can stick into your backpack and go because you're probably playing Dungeon World in like a sort of games on demand sort of feel, right? That like you're just ready with it and going. Jason Cordoba talks all the time about having like his box of games in the back of his car. And frankly, Bluebird's Bride isn't that kind of game. It's also probably from, uh, I'm in the same, same position where like, um, Bluebird's Bride is also a bit more of an experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, type game and so you are probably like some if you are running it you're more familiar with the game system and so you need the rules to be like to be laid out in a way to help you teach the game to people yeah versus dungeon world is a game where maybe you don't even use all of the rules every time and so the game needs to be the game book product needs to be a reference material as well as mm. everything else yeah that's true like one thing that we've talked about with pasión de las pasiones is that it could be, like, we could have tried to write it in a way that it is a, like, just like a big art book kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But this is a game that is easy to bring people in on. And so it's easy for it to be a slip-in-your-backpack game. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want it to be 300 pages. We don't want it to be, like, what's Urban Shadows? 400 pages? Um, and part of the prob- part of the reason Urban Shadows is a big book is it is also a primer on how magpie games does PBTA. Yeah. Uh, if you read that book cover to cover and really pay a lot of attention, you know how magpie games writes a PBTA game. Yeah. Now I could see a game, um, like yours being one that has like a lot of pictures as references so that when, so almost literally as you were playing or teaching the game, you could, hold the book up and point to a picture and say a character that looks a little bit like this or uh, mm. a setting that looks a little bit like this. Totally. Um, and that could be fine. And like that could help if we did want to make it a really thick game, then we probably could do that. Yeah. But uh, having it like having it be something that isn't enormous 
make, makes it easier for people to learn the game and for it to be a game that's like played as a pickup game yeah. without necessarily giving up a whole lot of content. Like there are big, thick old books that have very little useful content in them. Yeah. And so that's actually, you don't have to do that. That is a good point where I want my game. So like my game exists in this weird spot where it's one part role playing game, one part card LARP. And so I want um, how to phrase this. There needs to be like phases in the game because like one of the things like that you do is choose which route you're going on or which route the hauler is going to go out on. And one of the things that I have always really wanted is to have a physical map. And that map yeah. is going to probably exist in the book. So okay. every time you're having that conversation, you're basically going to flip to that page in the book and like fold the book open mm-hmm. and show people the book uh, because it's part of the like the employee handbook. So it has yeah. all the maps pre-routed all out for you. Oh, that's cute. So I like that. And so you're, you're choosing it. And I think that there are different phases in play where you are referencing material in the book in the game. Yeah. So you don't want a huge hardcover no. book anyway, because if someone plays the game too many times and destroys their book, they don't want to yeah. buy a $90 new game. Exactly. This book should, I mean, the book should look beat up and it should yeah. be beat up because it's going to be open and closed and thrown in a bag. Like it should be something that goes to space with you basically. Perfect. Yeah. So, so that's awesome. So you probably don't want it to be too big. Um, I would imagine somewhere between 40 and 150 pages. Probably. Um, probably just like, just cause you probably don't want it to be too much more than that. Um, and then I think what you should be doing is starting to look at like what needs to be in the book. Basically like there's certain things that you know, you're going to want to have mm-hmm. because every book has them. Yeah, um, like I need a character creation section because you need a character you are creation playing section. characters. So you need to be told how to develop them. Yeah. You probably need some kind of an introduction. It doesn't need to be super long, but like, and you could do the whole, you can go through the whole, you know, what's an RPG. No. But I think increasingly you don't need to do that. I think yeah. there's ways you can do that without doing that straight up. Yeah. Um, although I think having a little sidebar in it at some point that explains what this thing is, mm-hmm. is not a terrible idea. But so like, you know, that's an introduction chapter that's purpose is for the player and GM ahead of time. Uh, it's for the person who has purchased the book as the product, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to being used in play. Yeah. Uh, there might also be, sometimes there's fiction towards the beginning or explanation of what the genre is. I feel like there's some of that for your book. Yeah, I need a setting. I need a history of the corporation type stuff. Um, yeah. Why are people going out into deep space to get ice to bring it back for water? Yeah. That reasoning, which is which is interesting. Because, and, and this was this was a... Uh, part of my larger testing which is the game works without it Mm -hmm. um but i think will be enhanced with it okay yeah and so that also is being used before play Mm -hmm. not during play and that is also potentially for the player or the gm your game is gmless yes okay Although it can, I mean, it can and has exclusively been played with a facilitator. Okay. Um, but I think that it is, in theory, GMless. Okay. So it's, but realistically, even GMless games, someone needs to read the book. Um, mm-hmm. There's some books that kind of get away with it. Uh, Companion's Tale, I think, kind of gets away with it by just having you read things out loud during play. And it could be that this game can also do that. Yeah. I but think the bigger one, the I book think- is, the harder that is to do. Yeah, I think that as long as one person understands how the rules work, that the rest of the game is not that complicated. Great. So as long as you have one person of the two players. Now, there is a, and this is where, like, I haven't quite figured this out yet. Mm-hmm. If I, And I still intend for this to be a more than two-player game. Okay. I, I have begun to wonder if when the game is four players or five players or whatever, mm-hmm. if the game doesn't need some sort of a facilitator. It could be that it does. Who doesn't actually do anything else other than yeah. sit there and listen. Yeah, um, that might be something... That's something to play test, certainly. Yeah. Because I think you won't really know whether that's working well at your table or not without yeah. doing so. Um, So you need introduction, you need fiction slash setting. Um, and then really, you don't really need a... 
from there, so like just going through what's in Pasión las Pasiones, right? I have introduction, mm-hmm. uh, fiction about telenovelas, basically like ideas explaining telenovela things, uh, the basics of how a PBTA game works, uh, uh, character creation, which has a, all the playbooks and everything like that, uh, the basic moves, uh, peripheral moves and conditions, advancement, uh, running the game, which has the whole PBTA thing of <laughs> agendas, principles, and moves. Yeah. Uh, and then I go into playset stuff, uh, and then a, but basically some GM advice, uh, okay. how to run the game as a whole, and some information on custom moves. Um, so basically, like, you don't need to have all that. PBTA is a crunchier system than this game. Yeah. But in like, some ways. In some ways. <laughs> in some ways. Um, but the... The overall shape of it is the same. You need yeah. your introduction, you need your fiction, you need your player-facing resources. Yeah. Which in this case is player without facilitator. Um, because there's probably some stuff that the players need to know that the that the that every player needs to know, right? Yeah. Whether oh. they're facilitating or not. And then you probably also need a facilitator section. Yeah. For which could be consumed by both people, or it could be consumed just by one player. Uh, but like in the same way that uh, that everybody needs to know how to make a player in order to play masks, you don't necessarily need to read that chapter, but you need to know how to make a character in order to play masks. Yeah. 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 And I have, and so like, I think that where, where I was sort of laughing at um, this game being less complex than PBTA is that I think that in terms of mechanics, it has fewer mechanics. Yeah. Where more of the mechanics are, like, there are all sorts of things like plus ones forward or team. Or yeah. uh, there are a lot of different currencies in masks that are non-physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost all of the currencies in my game are physical. Yeah. They are things like the cards themselves are physical, are a, a sort of physical currency. Yes, um, there is literally a currency, which <laughs> which will be encouraged for people to play with a physical token. Yeah, I'm probably um, not going to as of as of right now. I'm not planning on including tokens or a currency okay. with the game. Although, if I find myself now that I'm thinking about it, uh, well, I was even just thinking of something as simple as like if I need to hit a rounder number with my card deck, then. Mm. Like if I'm at like ninety cards and I need and it's like a price break at a hundred, then yeah. I can throw ten tokens worth of of currency cards in. Yeah, but like just in terms of pages of writing that needs to happen, yeah. like to give an idea, I have what do I have? I have thirteen GM moves, and each of those requires half a page of writing. So like, you don't need to have that. That's would yeah. be an enormous amount of stuff spice for you to fill in a way that doesn't make any sense. So I think back to like that player section, you need character creation and you're, you need like the basics of how to play. Yeah. 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 But you don't need like any advanced explanation of like the, of like the way the system works yet. Right. Yeah. And then when you get into the facilitator section, which might just be being done by the players, um, unless you can make it really, really, really smooth you probably will end up wanting a facilitator or someone who has read the whole book. And in that section, you'd be able to talk more about how currencies interact with each other, right? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Whether I mean, maybe or not. The not. Game needs a facilitator is, is, is sort of a thing that I've, I've been thinking about recently because I don't... At some point, and this is where... I'm, actually, and this is why my goal is to have some amount of rules written for Metatopia this year. Because yeah. I, because so far I have been facilitating and I want to hand a book of some sort to the players and say, here's the game. Try to run it without me. Okay. Oh, so, so you want this to be a game that they can run fully live. Yeah. Like without having to spend two hours ahead of time reading. Absolutely. It okay. should be pretty simple. I that's, think. Yeah, that's cool. So, so really what's way less important is your book. Yeah. Than your play materials. And, like, yes. your play materials might be in your book, and that's okay. A lot of the rules, like, like the, again, the cards are themselves a form of rules. Like, yeah. the cards themselves explain how the currency 
mechanic works. Okay, cool. So you don't card. necessarily need that. So you don't almost you almost don't need like I want to include a section in in a facilitator section yeah. on how that mechanic works just yeah. to like maybe give some tips and stuff. But yeah. right now I'm not even so fuzz I'm not even so positive about how it even works. But yeah. like it's literally like a here's two versions of the same card spend this some currency to get to the better version. Okay, which is and like so, right there on the card. Which is right there on the card. Okay. Okay, so that's that actually is makes it a lot easier. So like yeah. in so, so let's focus in on like trying to essentially eliminate the GM section. Yeah. You need character creation. You need like the basics of play, like what is happening on your turn, what happens. Yeah. Which, which is can be good. written in like really simple language that is like like a board game would, right? And for the most part, it's the same for both players too. Um which is helpful. Perfect. That could be that could be two pages. Yeah. You don't need that to be no, more than two pages, I don't yeah, think. It may actually be very difficult now, like, as we were talking through this. It could be difficult to make this game book hit ten pages. <laughs> like, um, I mean, and that's also okay. It can be it can be a small a small book game. Yeah. And still be like really, really good. Yeah. Um I I think Companions Tale got around that by having a whole bunch of variants. That's something that you yeah. could play with. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, um, specifically if so like if there is a if there is a two for the two player variant, there are some there's some pieces of information about the spaceship that the hauler goes out on yeah. that are not super relevant. Like you really don't okay. need to like you don't need to roll like you don't need to establish those facts ahead of time. Yeah. Because it just doesn't matter. And then when it when it, when it matters, there's only one player and they can just create those 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 on the fly. that information on the fly. If you were talking about a four player version of the game, well then you need to establish those facts ahead of time. You need to establish things like if there's if you're playing a two player version of the game, the hauler is the captain. There's no yeah. conversation there. The hauler is the captain. If you're playing a four player or more version of the game, only one of the haulers gets to be the captain. And right, then it yeah. actually introduces some other rules. So the four player variant rules will have to actually like have some mechanics because there's like mm-hmm. there's the like who gets the final say about who where which route we're going on in the normal yeah. two player version of the game it's just the hauler the hauler always yeah. gets the final say but if there's more than one hauler which of those haulers gets the final say amongst the haulers which will be the captain it's just like explaining that in some amount of words will be yeah a thing so that i have to wrestle with so i think maybe what it's sounding like to me is that you should think of these pages like think of this book as two page spreads. Yeah. That like character creation, ideally, you get it onto two pages. Yeah. Fiction and setting, it doesn't matter. This can be like what, six pages? Yeah. Who cares? Uh introduction, probably two to four pages. Because then we're into like the real meat of it. Mm-hmm. And you can have two pages about how to fill out your forms. Two pages for the basics of play that you basically have out on the table in front of you while you're playing. You have two pages on, like, what life on the ship is, Mm -hmm. which includes how to design your ship and what decisions are made. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Which, that's two pages right there. And then the map for what's on the Earth. Sure, yeah, life on Earth. Plus the map. And some descriptions and some like fluff stuff about each of the different locations. Yeah. So the map, the map ideally is two pages, and then maybe, maybe another two pages of uh, of information, or another four pages of information about what these locations are. Mm-hmm. Our galaxy. Yeah, because part Our of galaxy. this part of this is also it's way bigger than the galaxy. <laughs> it turns out space is. Uh, pretty small compared to a lot of stuff, and I okay. have to go very fast. If I'm trying to reincorporate some science into this, then the, the it's pretty big. But also, like, what I want to try to do is give people words that they can use to, like, teaching them the linguistics of the space universe, basically. Yeah. Like, um, one of the cards is uh, one of the card prompts talks about how you were a little ahead of schedule, and so you got to stop at a. Um, a space station on the way back to sort of like like a, a an asteroid that is like a bar ca- yeah. casino place. So like I need to come up with a name for that place and that place should exist whether or not you draw the card or not so that if you okay. want to incorporate it into a story 
that you're telling about your time out in space, you can, whether or not you've drawn that card. Because I want to create things like that that are like little nuggets of setting that can be pulled into a story. Cool. So maybe the Our Galaxy section is bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, it could I be. I put that as like four to six pages, but if, if this is like uh, points of interest... Yeah, there might be some... This could be... This could be longer than that. I'll need some stuff about technology because, again, that's the thing that keeps coming up is, like, people want to know about how how does the space travel work? What does the spaceship look like? What does the... What does the... Uh, how many people are in the spaceship? What does, what does the communication look like? That all might fit on life on the ship. Yeah, okay. If that's you, fair. like, space yeah, it the yeah, right yeah. way. Um, even if you're generating a ship in some way, like, you could have it so that you can, like, you know, pick a perk... And the perk yeah. we picked this time was long-range communicator, uh, communicators. Um, it's like that might be something you can fit just in there. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's not a bad idea to like throw that out of tech of the setting. Just like you can make that nice and clear. Hey, if you want to be the rocket man and have all this science you don't understand, don't read this section. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it is there and available. And um, I, need to, I, need, I need that because there are... The, there is like a fine line between what can be improvised by players and what can't. So like okay. I like I think if I remember correctly, it is important that there is no communication between okay. the the ship and Earth during deep space, or it's like a right. limited amount of communication because there are some cards that affect that. And so oh like, yeah, you, if you you I can't let the players improvise. That there's perfect real time communication. And then have the card that says, hey, you found some alien tech that lets you get perfect right. real-time in, uh, inf- uh, communication. Yeah, and so, so, so that is just something you could put life, in Life on the Ship or Life on Earth. You put yeah. like, hey, just a reminder, you're not going to be able to talk to this person. Yeah, They're going to yeah, be yeah. out in space, fully disconnected from stuff. And then if that card comes up, cool. Um, And then kind of like, that's the whole kind of in-character section in my mind. Right, like all of that is stuff that can be done as forms and then you have to kind of decide do you want like an out of character section in the back that is like further explanation of how mechanics work and like tips for running the game if you're facilitating yeah this might also be like variants like a four-player variant yeah the biggest question for like the core game rules will be do i pretend the cards that you draw are so like the cards are functionally you draw one card per unit of time and they ask you a question, give you a prompt or tell you about, about an event that occurred during that chunk of time or during the overall time. And so do I like, do the cards exist in the game universe? Are you sitting down at a table with your, with your, um, with your lighthouse? And are you drawing cards that are supposed to be like psyche Val questions or, is do the car are the cards a non-physical thing in the universe that just represent the passage of time because if they're Mm. totally non-diegetic they're not in the universe then i will definitely need an out of character explanation of how that mechanic works yeah although that can be in the basics of play yeah and like that can be that can be a page that you step away from yeah from the exact thing you know like because it's just saying in that page, like, hey, draw a card, have a conversation, you know, like, I don't yeah. think that it's bad to have two pages out of like this. This is sounding like 40, 48 pages. Um, I don't think t- having two pages of that, even near the beginning, that's like kind of out of character. Yeah. Be a bad thing because it's really functional because mm-hmm. it makes it so that you can actually just play the game yes. without getting like really hung up on the fiction around it. Yeah. 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 Because once you get into, once you understand and get into that, like, choose a route, depending on the number of cards, of, of depending on the amount of time that has passed on the route for each player, you draw some number of cards, you look at those prompts, you come back together and you have a conversation based off of those prompts, go. Like, that's the core yeah. game mechanic right there. Yeah. So and that so easily that fits on two pages. Is, is going to be important. Yeah. And um, clearly. Yeah. Because that clearly is important. Um, especially if the rest of the book is kind of in character. Um, now, so I just added it up, mm-hmm. assuming like I was just spouting out numbers yeah, yeah. for each thing, uh, assuming minimum, we'd be talking 32 pages, assuming, uh, maximum 
like kind of the high end that I guessed mm-hmm. on those without variants, you'd be looking at 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a pretty reasonable little book. That sounds like yeah. kind of the size you were going for. And especially because I do sort of envision this as being a book where it's just like you have because it's a small because I'm imagining a smaller book. Yeah. Um, that it wouldn't be completely unreasonable to say here's a page that talks about interstellar or inter whatever inter uh, space travel communication has a little sketch of what like the the blueprint for the communication array looks like and then yeah. has like three or four paragraphs on the page doesn't take up the whole yeah. page but then that's it and then the next page is like the next piece of information or text yeah. that you need and so Absolutely. I'm not necessarily filling every section of every page with text yeah definitely. Um, I think this this seems really reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, does that sound like a breakdown that makes sense to you? It does, and that definitely, and thinking about it that way is definitely the right way to help. I think get me back on track because now I can go and say like for the um, like tech in the universe or like it, the yeah. wor- thinking about the world. What are key info pieces of information? And I can go outline all of that those things out and then start to like write up those paragraphs. Yeah, especially with like the keeping in mind. This is two pages. Yeah. Right? Like, this is two small pages. Um, And it might be that you have to make it bigger than you thought it was or make it longer than you thought it was. Yeah. But if this is a game that's supposed to have a resource at the table and Mm -hmm. for the book to be used at the table, then it's got to be quick. Like It's got to be tight, yeah. And I think also breaking it up into sections, I think, is going to be very important of, like, this is the section of the book that is things you should know and and read about before but once you get into the actual gameplay these are the sections that are like adjacent to each other that are about Mm -hmm. the game play yeah agreed um which i think i think we kind of have because i think basics of play is a reference on how to play it Mm -hmm. life on the ship and life on earth i think are both things that you might want to reference maybe maybe Maybe, but like you might have like a piece of paper that has your readout of your ship, right? Yeah. Because if you're making choices about your ship, then you're probably circling things yeah. and writing stuff down yeah. and all that. Well, yeah, it's less circling and we're just answering. It's all free form. James. Circle things. All right. Um, the map you want to be able to reference, points of interest in the galaxy you want to be able to reference, and those are all in a row. Mm-hmm. And because, like, nothing else are you going to be referencing. Like, Mostly I'm imagining that you have this game book open to the map for yeah. the majority of the game. I feel like map and points of interest yeah. are potentially the things that you're looking at. Because, yeah. like, you're trying, just like you would be mapping out a road trip. Mm-hmm. You're, like, saying to your your lighthouse, like, hey, I want to go to here. I want to do this, this, this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so I think that in a perfect world, actually spacing that out so that the map is, like, on the center crease of the book. Oh, it'd be so it's like ideal. right in the middle and yeah. easily folds open. That's like, that'd be perfect. That's, that's, I think, yeah, it might be. I'm looking at it. It might actually be right there in the middle well, and I'm going to make it happen regardless. So yeah, <laughs> I'm going to find a way, but, uh, Oh James, I thought, I thought you were killing your darlings. No, I thought, uh, what, what are you not? Hey, Don't not, kill your darlings. Kill your darlings, your darlings, your darlings if they get reasons. in the way. Oh, okay. Of, 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 of making, the game like you have the whole point of that is to (laughs) investigate and inspect the things that you hold dear about Mm -hmm. your product and if and and ask yourself at key points during production is this getting in the way of making this a better product because this is a thing that i've always wanted to do since the beginning of the book yeah and and like rearranging some things to make sure that the map is in the middle of the book is not really going to get in the way of the production and if it does i will i won't do that what's more important to me is to have the map (laughs) Yeah, I think the map is a cool, important thing to be able to have. It's going to go on the cover of the book, too. Okay. I think. Cool. I have a sort um, of image in my mind. A visual in your mind. Um, but yeah, so then from there, you just start dividing up sections and going for it, right? Um, and just explain, like, how to use the materials. Get the materials in front of you if you can. Don't be afraid to write something that references something that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Uh, just make sure you're making a note of it in a way yeah. that's intelligent. Okay. Uh, I put uh, parentheses, XX parentheses. Okay. Anytime I reference a page number that I don't know if it's going to be there or not. That makes sense. So that afterwards I can control F and find all of the parentheses, XX parentheses. Uh, yeah. And be like, oh, I this is where I referenced this mechanic that I cut. <laughs> and then I get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, um, man. Ah, I sat down and looked at my... my uh, 
uh, all of my cards where I had started to like break them out by yeah. um, by emotion and just mm-hmm. going, oh, I need to like cut out like this is this game is too weighted towards making you feel sad. So I need to go through all of these sad th- cards and like cut them. Or yeah. I need to like add four times as many happy cards. Yeah, I mean and like, ugh, sometimes sometimes design work is just going like I need to get rid of things. I spent like probably six or seven weeks like really grinding hard to like get keys to yeah. really work in Pasión dos Pasiones, and then I ran it and I was like, keys don't work for Pasión dos Pasiones. <laughs> It's just like, oh, just so much work down the drain. Yeah. But but it makes you a better designer. Mm-hmm. It is practice. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. And it's, it ultimately it became a thing that I realized I wasn't going to be able to do uh, on a plane because what I needed was mm. a way to flag certain cards as things that I thought I wanted to cut but not actually yeah. delete them. And yeah. so I need to be able to move them. I need to like, like I put them all in Notion, and the Notion is like an interesting way of looking at them, but it's a terrible way of actually working on them. Yeah. And so I need to reformat how I've got them written and put them into a place where I can cut and paste the whole card and yeah. move it somewhere else, um, and then slowly start to work through them in that way. I feel like that's kind of yeah. I feel like that's kind of where I am with Radcrawl. That, like, I've been doing it digitally. And, like, I have way fewer cards than you do because I'm just still working on a very minimal product. Yeah. Uh, but I need to have printed cards. Yeah. Like, even if they're just computer-printed cards, just so that I can, like, look at them and line them up and move them to different locations and mark them in some way. Yeah. Um, and so that I can bring them to a con or, like, bring them to a game night and go, like, oh, this doesn't work. Shk. And yeah, write stuff yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even just laying them out on, in Notion and having them in that Kanban uh, yeah. by, by rough emotion was really, like, a big thing of, like, oh, okay, I've got to I clearly, clearly have too many of this type of card. Yeah, I, I probably could also benefit by doing that because I, like... I have no idea if my stats are anywhere near balanced. I have no idea if I have too many of different kinds of well, items. That's where you you do things like I did, where I, you go to you go to Metatopia and you're like, all right, so this card has a currency mechanic where you say hey, this is what the card does, and if you want to mitigate that effect in some way, you pay a cur- you pay some of the currency and mm-hmm. you use the other effect, and then one of your players says, well, James how much of the currency and then you get to say whatever you feel feels right what feels fair <laughs> what feels fair <laughs> yeah that, that's how that's currently how hp and stats are determined in rad crawl yeah. is is i don't know what feels fair and then and then what you do and then i think actually going for for like for hp the way that i did it specifically was like i said here's how much you're gonna start with and i picked a random number and yeah. i then sort of at key points during the during their gameplay said how many do you have right now because yeah. i know that what i want is for the players to never have enough yeah and so if the answer is ever you've got too much well then they need things need to cost more mm-hmm. and absolutely and so i have a whole other thing that i'm going to make people pay for and um yeah i had mostly i actually had players who who had too few the problem that i ran into really quickly was that i had given the players not enough currency and yeah. they dealt themselves bad hands like or they just like drew cards oh, in a yeah. bad way and so they were always spending every single and they it was almost to the point where they were not engaging with the mechanic at all because they just like there were a bunch of they cards didn't have it. there were a bunch of cards early on in the game that caused you to lose currency okay and i didn't i had too many of them and not enough of the other cards and so you would like start with three currency and then they would draw a card that's like lose half your currency lose half your turn and then like yeah. and then like and then like next round they got another they got another card that was like this route you lost the ice so you don't get paid and i was like great well now this player has no currency and <laughs> they've got four cards in their hand that they could be spending currency on and they haven't been able to engage with this mechanic yet yeah and i played uh, there was one whole play test i did where the characters were like just broke and just never broke literally the whole time mechanic at ever because they never earned any because they kept drawing all of the they literally drew every single one of the cards that makes you lose currency <laughs> without a choice and so they That's never amazing. had currency so that was rough which i mean that can happen 
Yeah. And like sometimes like you could sit down to play Dungeon World and have every player roll like snake eyes for like 15 minutes and then Dungeon World doesn't work. Like <laughs> no game can ever deal with like just probability that is completely unlikely. Yeah. But it made me sit down. But this wasn't unlikely though. This was the problem. Oh, you just had too many it things me, for that. It, went me, it made me sit down and go, <laughs> okay, well out of 50 cards, like 30 of them can't be you lose money cards. Oh boy. Because, yeah. Like it wasn't quite that extreme. Yeah. It was like one, one in five even is probably too many. So yeah, that it really didn't. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. So then I was like, okay, well I've got to either reduce some of these or get rid of them. <laughs> Really, and ultimately, the, like, you lose the ice on the way back and you, like, don't get paid yeah. was very harsh. Yeah, it that's harsher punishing. than I thought it was. And yeah. so that's where I actually, the way I mitigated that was I added some routes where you get paid half up front. Okay. And so I think that you lose the you lose the load is still in the game. Yeah. But if you are the person who is, like, really low and you're worried about that card... Yeah, and then you can at you least can, take you one can, where you yeah, get paid. You can do some things. You take paid half a front. Um, yeah, that actually changed the game pretty dramatically. You know, in yeah, a good way. That seems like it would be a really good thing to add in. So that's that. That's kind of where I am. I'm about to start writing, and I think, and I think one of my other big problems is just like that. This has been a thing that I've just been working on on my own, and I have yeah. not like I don't have a team. I don't have a Kickstarter date. Yeah. I don't have like a plan. I'm just going to yeah. keep writing it until I think it's done. And mm-hmm. with only the rough That's idea of like, I want it to be a little better every time I go to Metatopia because I want to have mm-hmm. something different to test. And so yeah, but do you, you now, don't want it to be like twelve years. Yeah, but so yeah. having Metatopia this year and setting a goal of I want to have at least one of the play tests. So like last year, my goal was I wanted to try to test the multiplayer, the multi yeah. like multi group version of it, and it just totally failed right off the top. Um, and so I bailed on that and the rest of my playtests were just two player, uh, yeah. this time around, I want to make it work. I want to go in with rules that I think will make it work, but I also want to do a version where I hand some people the game rules and say, try to play this. You should be able to learn these rules in about three minutes and then go. I think that should be your intention for the majority of your playtests. Yes. Because it sounds like this is a game that you should be learning as you play. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like a game that you should be reading ahead of time and then playing. Yeah. Y- yeah. I think that if you go in with some of the setting stuff, you might have a better ta- time. Yeah. But that's it's fine. And so I think having that as a goal, having the write the game rule book as a, as a goal for my yeah. for, for this year's Metatopia, like we're we're still far enough out that that's reasonable to do given that how short this book is going to be. Yeah. And, and so setting myself a schedule that ends with me doing that is going to be helpful. Having that, have that deadline. Do you want to set a schedule? Um, so you don't need to finish 40 to 48 pages. No, you need to finish just, you don't need the introduction. You maybe need the fiction and the setting, but probably I feel like you could avoid it. I, what I would love to do is sit down at a table with people, give them a primer on the setting, and then say, here is the the section of the rule book that would cover mechanically how the game works. Try to teach yourself and play this. And so they're sitting yeah. down with like the cards. They'll get the instructions on how to choose a route, how to choose yeah. cards per route, and so on like that. Um, yeah, but not necessarily the whole thing. I would love to have yeah. a map this year too, but that that could be ten pages, you know, like mm-hmm. that could be less than a page a week. Mm-hmm. And some of these pages, I think, will not be full pages yeah. of text. Absolutely, like this seems really reasonable. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my goal. That's my new goal. So, do you want to set a writing goal for next week? No, because that—that is the thing that most has helped me with writing Passion. Yeah, is I have weekly meetings with Brendan and mm, yeah, and like just like checking in on my progress. Um, because we could say like, "Hey, do you want to have character creation finished by uh, next time we record?" Okay, let's do that. That's fine. I can cool. do that. I feel pretty comfortable about that. Great. Um, so the next time we record, I will have character creation done nice and i yeah i don't think character creation is gonna take that long so yeah. i think that i might i'm gonna do that and if i end up with extra time uh ship creation because i think ship cool. creation is gonna be very similar perfect yeah um, um 
I'm not going to set a rad crawl goal. Yeah. Uh, well, I do want to bring a more complete rad crawl to Metatopia. Yeah. But uh, next time we record, I'm going to have a baby. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Almost certainly. Yeah. Um, so uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say that um, we talked about, let's just, I guess we'll just do business at the end of this episode because this, okay. is, this is coming up. Um, but like we had talked about doing a live episode. We are a hundred percent going to do a live episode. Um, oh my God. I cannot explain how just absolutely nutty our lives have been <laughs> for the last like month and a half. Yeah. Uh, for real. You are preparing for this baby. I had a whole lot of work dropped on me all at once and then yeah. I had to like go away from that work for a while for this convention. This convention just disrupted my life so much. <laughs> um, and so we will get to it. Um, I don't know if it'll be the next time because you're going to have a, a fresh baby. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like we're solidly like I, I checked the Patreon before we're up to 159. So we're not Ooh. like waffling around 150 anymore. We're like solidly above it. So it's going to happen. We're going to do it. We're just going to like, you're going to have to bear with us while we sort of adjust to, I'm hoping my work life settles down. If you've heard a lot of sniffling from my end, it's because I'm <laughs> sick this episode. Um, so hopefully that wasn't too unbearable. Um, and that by the next time we are about to record, we should hopefully have some more finite news for people about that. Yeah, um, probably. And so we'll be able to schedule it. It's not, yes, it's not like a six hour, uh Event. actual no. play recording it's uh, no. um much so, more reasonable okay so we'll schedule that so um reach out to us with uh think experiences you've had writing game books i know a lot of like yeah. a lot of our listeners have actually like done more completing of games than i have so like write give like hit me up with all of the different uh goals and things that you've done that f- that you found helpful in completing your game book um, you can find us on Twitter is usually the best place. Together we are at Stop, Hack, and Roll, or individually I am at End of the Meltdowns. And I'm at Dr. Captain Cobalt. You can find all of our episodes, links to some of the games we've been working, and a little bit more at www.stophackandroll.com. You can email us if you want to give us some longer form content to read um, at James or Brandon at stopbackandroll.com. If you like the podcast and would like to help other people find the show, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five-star ratings help people find the show. So go check out um, our, our, our friend Taylor, who joined us on Protean City as of the last episode and is going Yay. to continue joining us for a few more issues. Um, but he also makes the, the podcast Game Closet, which just featured uh, Amelia Antrim, uh, who also whose, whose podcast, Character Creation Cast, we, Brandon and I and Elspeth, joined for it's like I think uh, not first ep- first series but second series where we made some masks characters with them um, and, and I've heard nothing but absolutely great things about this episode um, Amelia like was commenting about how I think she has never been interviewed as as well in her whole life or something like that it was wild so like it was I, really delightful it was I, such a good episode um, so go check out Taylor's podcast um, and 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 support our network I really enjoyed the Lucian con uh episode as well it was really good i'm i'm loving i've been i've been a fan of uh of game closet for quite a while and it's i feel like this like little like swell of pride when i hear stop back and roll on it <laughs> nice. nice i love taylor taylor's um, wonderful so we make this podcast and all of our other podcasts mostly just the one other one that we make um because of our because of the support we get from our patreon backers uh and so we would like to thank our one of our new backers uh heem Ra, as well as some of our old favorite backers like jeff stormer accusome chris wittich spencer austin anthony sheets troy carter michael bowman and zoe rich uh if you would like to help support our show financially uh Check us out at patreon.com slash stop, hack, and roll. If you aren't able to help us uh, financially right now, that's completely okay. You can support our community by becoming a part of it. You can join our Discord at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stophackandroll.com. So, James, when you're done making the character creation section and you've started in on the life on a ship section, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. Stop, hack, and roll.